so hungry. Hey everyone, it's me, Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Welcome to another episode of Chew the Right Thing. This week we have a special one-on-one episode. It's an interview with Alana Mulstein. You may know her as the founder of the To Be Mindset Plan, which is a beach body plan, and it's fantastic and super popular. She also has a brand new book out right now that is called You Can Drop It, and I happen to have written the foreword for the book. It's a fabulous book. So I invited Alana onto the show and wanted to take a deep dive into her philosophies and her book. I hope you like it. Hey, Lana, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to see you while not in person. It's still always lovely and such a perk up to see your face. Oh, well, back at you. And thank you for being on the podcast yet again, because you were here before and you're an amazing guest. Um, And this time it's for a super exciting reason. You have a brand new book that I'm holding in my hands. It is called You Can Drop It. Look at you on the cover here looking absolutely beautiful with your before picture. If this cover doesn't sell books, I don't know what will, (laughs) quite honestly. Um, But why don't you tell people, for people who may not be familiar with you, and I hope everybody goes back and listens to the first episode that we did together because it was amazing, but give people the rundown of who you are and what you're all about. Absolutely. And I will start by saying what will probably help sell the book more is that you wrote the forward. So thank you so much for being a part of that because it means so much to me uh, to have you write the forward because obviously you've been someone I've been looking up to for ever. Um, So that means so much to me. I feel like we've come full circle. But uh, so basically my personal story, I was morbidly obese, super overweight as a kid. I was over 200 pounds by the time I hit my early teens. I was shopping in plus size clothing. I was really just struggling, absolutely obsessed with food. I was sent to weight loss camps as early as eight years old. And I was already in a yo-yo dieting cycle that young, losing 30 pounds, gaining 30 or 40, losing 30, gaining 40 or 50, losing 30, gaining 50 or 60. It was a bad cycle. And one day I, well, not one day, one summer, I think in weight loss camp, just looking under at my body, I finally took ownership and realized I need to stop blaming my genes and my slow metabolism and my family who can't help me because they're also struggling and all the diets that weren't working and the scale that kept telling me my weight. I had to stop with the blame game and take ownership and figure out a better solution of how I can eat a lot, still be a foodie, still enjoy my life and lose weight. So I never did calorie counting or macro counting or portion control, eating less or over-exercising. I had to find a way to incorporate flavors and nutrition with um, really overcoming the emotional eating aspect of it at the same time. And uh, thankfully, I uh, became a registered dietitian, lectured at UCLA, created a weight loss seminar there, grew my private practice in Beverly Hills, and uh, met Beachbody. And we turned my program, my system into a weight loss program that uh, over 240,000 people are doing. And now it's uh, into a book, which is super exciting. Amazing. So your program is called To Be Mindset. And it is so, I love it because it works perfectly with the Hungry Girl philosophy. Yes. So take a, a few minutes just to tell people, describe the program and what makes it so effective and why you think it's resonated with hundreds of thousands of people. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get it so much. Uh, I'm not someone here saying, you know, eat well because of your immunity or for the beauty in your skin or because it's a super expensive home delivery thing. I'm coming from someone who loves food, grew up in a household where potato chips and cereal boxes and soda cans were lining our counters, eating big bread rolls, eating large volumes of food, being in a family where food was our focus and our main source of excitement and and you know comfort and everything and someone who who really really gets it and i think that that has resonated a lot with my private clients and i have this three pillar approach to weight loss where one pillar is the nutrition piece one pillar was me really understanding what you want to fill up on so it is more filling so it is more satisfying so you can control the carbs and the sweets and learn to stop but also the environmental piece of like how to set up your home environment to work for you, not against you, and definitely that emotional piece. And I think this three-pillar approach of not just hitting the eat this, not that, but how to get the full circle really resonates. And I think everyone is just fed up with the restrictiveness because the more people say no to themselves, the more they find themselves just gaining more and more weight. So I everything within the program, nothing is designed around no. Everything's revolved around yes, what you should focus on. My favorite analogy that I bring up in the book is don't like everyone always says I'm done with carbs or I'm I'm not going to eat over a thousand calories or whatever it is. And the analogy I talk about in the book is tell yourself that you're not going to think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. Don't think about their trunk. Don't think about their gray leathery skin. Don't think about their size. Don't think about the sound they make. Don't think about the way they come together or their performance in a circus. Do not think about elephants. I don't know, Lisa, about you, but are you able to not think about elephants? No, that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> exactly. I love ele- I, now I want to own an elephant. Right. So <laughs> this, is, this is all about like filling your mind, filling your psyche, filling your day, filling your life with the positive things you want to be focusing on. Uh, my coin term is water first, veggies most. Focus on drinking water first, on filling up on veggies most. And then I have all these other tools and slogans and processes for handling sugars and carbs. And I have treat, not cheat, like learn how to choose smarter treats. So it never feels like you're cheating. It always feels like you're treating. You can always gain more enjoyment from these foods and sweets you're eating in a fashion that actually helps you lose weight without giving up everything you love and desire. So it's been a wonderful journey, being able to deliver this guidance and advice and system through a video-based format, which is the To Be Mindset program. And this is really the uh, book translation of that, which goes a little bit deeper into the science behind why everything works and a little bit deeper into the emotional um, self-sabotage aspect of why people have you know, one too many cookies and then feel like they have to wait till next Monday, really breaking that vicious cycle. That's what this book uh, is really designed to do. Right. I mean, and I say that all the time. It's like, because everybody just wants to keep pushing it off. But you bring up emotional eating and so many people right now, because of this quarantine, I mean, some people are emerging, but a lot of us are still staying at home and people are really struggling with emotional eating. So what are some of the ways that you recommend people deal with emotional eating? Yeah, definitely. I think now more than ever, people are identifying it more clearly. I think for a long time, people were in denial about being an emotional eater. But uh, you know, now that there's 
a lot less to do, right? There are a lot less social occasions. So now you're not eating the chips and drinking because you're having fun and with your buddies and you're out at this party and it makes sense. Now you're kind of doing it alone in your sweatpants while watching the news. So it's a little bit more evident that it's coming from an emotional place and not necessarily what I would call environmental, like just because everyone's doing it and so forth. So I think we've always been emotional eaters. I think right now uh, it's with a lot less activities, it's becoming more of an activity, more of a sport to eat and more of a socially identifiable uh, act. And there are so many ways you can overcome it, which I talk about in the book. Uh, so first and foremost, I, it really helped me, honestly, Lisa, be able to lose my weight when I kind of crossed off the list of things that were never going to work for me. So I had to finally, like once I was, you know, a hundred pounds overweight is when I finally said, Alana, cut the nonsense, admit to yourself, you are a volume eater admit, and work with it. Admit to yourself that you're going to want cocktails. Admit to yourself, you're going to want chocolate. Admit to yourself that you're not organized enough to meal prep and calorie count and, 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 or over-exercise. Like just delete those from your, what's going to be sustainable and simple and sensible for you. Once I was able to do that, I was able to uncover what really worked. And I think emotional eating help is it that same way. I had to realize, okay, well, I'm really eating because I'm kind of lonely. Like I don't, you know, I didn't have a lot of supervision at the time. I was kind of like raising myself in a lot of ways. And a lot of it was out of loneliness. A lot of it was out of comfort. A lot of it was out of stability. Once I could identify that, which in the book, it's kind it's a pretty hysterical section. In the book, I have a whole emotional eating A through Z with all these different terms I've created around emotional eating. So procrastinating when you're just trying to push off doing something, so you eat instead. Um, FOMO eating, elevated eating. I'm yeah. gonna tell you one of my favorite Alana-isms is JOMO, the j joy of missing out. Like I thought, I thought that was genius. Can you please talk a little sure. bit about that? Because I was like, yes, this is amazing. Absolutely, yes. Once you uncover, once you properly identify, which you can definitely in the book, I, you can relate to at least one of the kinds of emotional eating and you'll like be like a ding light come off in your brain. I'm like, yes, that's what's been getting me. Once you first do that, then you can go about how to overcome it. So let's say your biggest issue is FOMO eating, which is one of the like 15 plus kinds of eating I talk about. That's fear of missing out. So that's when you're full and satisfied, dinner's done, but then your spouse, your sibling, your child, your whatever comes up and is like, oh my gosh, this, this, this baked good I just discovered from a hungry girl, a hungry girls are pretty innocent, but let's say like I got this from this website or Pinterest, these gooey cookies and everyone's eating them. You're not going to eat them. How are you not going to eat them? They're just out of the oven. And it's that fear of missing out. And how to harness that sense of, you know what? It's JOMO. It's the joy of missing out. It's every time I say no to something, I'm saying yes to something else. If I'm not having these cookies, I'm able to track it. I want to go on the scale the next day. I want to touch base with my community. I'll be able to get in that early walk in the morning that I've set my mind to. I'll be able to see a weight loss and weight loss is a treat. So how to really change your mindset over, you know, going from FOMO to JOMO in that instance, if that's your thing that's tripping you up. And everyone has different ones. It's fascinating. That honestly so resonated with me because like lately I've been like really stopping eating at like four o'clock and everyone's like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Jomo. 
the joy of missing out, like not eating after four makes me feel amazing when I wake up the next morning. So I was like, wow, this is genius. Um, So right now, let's talk a little bit more about the fact that people are having more trouble, they are struggling, and they're just feeling overwhelmed and not quite ready to like get back on the bandwagon or Mm -hmm. to fix the situation. How, like, how do you light a fire under those people? How do you really get them going? Yeah. So I'm very, very upbeat, positive, cheerful. As you know, certainly for anyone who follows me on social media, I think you would feel like I'm just giddy and happy all the time. The truth is in order to lose a hundred pounds and really be able to push myself and my clients to see real results, I'm pretty straightforward and tough. And I think the book is kind of like that wake up call that had to be said. And so I think a lot of people are reading and they're like, wow, she did not hold back. Like this is straight up truth. Like in the book, I will help you, you know, work out some glorifications you have over some foods. Like if you desperately like love donuts and think that donuts are the best, like I will straight up tell you how to choose a donut, how to call them deep fried dough. So you're not creating something else and how to call them for what it is, choose them when they're best and enjoy it absolute fullest. So, um, don't think that getting this book is going to make you not have these comfort foods. I think it's so hard for people to start, especially in quarantine, because if you think about the past two, three months, one of the only comforts we've had is food, right? We haven't had the comfort of hugging our friends. We haven't had the comfort of our day-to-day routines, going to the office place or our churches or synagogues or, you know, all these comforts that we used to have, we don't have anymore. So food has been a source of comfort, which I mean, for me, food will always be comforting. So I think a lot of people are hesitant to start a weight loss program because they feared that they were going to have to break up with a real source of comfort in their lives. And I want people to know with the book, you can drop it. You will drop the pounds. You will drop the self-sabotage eating. You will drop the mindless and insensible eating, but you're never going to totally drop a love and comfort for food. You're just going to gain a stronger sense of love and comfort with feeling good and more energetic and healthy every day. So to give people a little fire under you, I just want to say, this is not a snowstorm that's kind of impacting us for a week. You know, that's kind of how I explained it to my clients early on. This coronavirus, COVID-19, quarantine, staying in, change of the economy, unemployment rate, this is not something that happened in a day. It's not going to get solved in a day. And the longer you wait, the harder it's going to get. So I really recommend you stop seeing it as like this short-term thing of, okay, whatever, I'll gain a few pounds and I'll lose it later. Well, you have to kind of really adapt and take on the sensibility that a lot of things won't be necessarily the same. And the smartest thing you can do is set up your home environment to work for you to at the very least make it so you're not gaining weight. And at the very best, actually losing weight or getting to the healthiest, best self you can possibly be, because now more than ever, it's evident that health is the greatest source of wealth. So that's what I would say. Great great advice. And so one of the things that I help people with, it's getting over the all or nothing attitude. And I know like, and especially in the book, I noticed you're always, you have that same exact attitude. Wow. Look at that bottle of water you're guzzling. Um, (laughs) So we know we're not going to be perfect all the time. We can't. There's no such thing. I don't, there's no one perfect way to eat. I know. And so, but a lot of people get into this mindset where if they have like a slip up, that's it. They're done for the day. They're done for the week, for the month. 
talk a little bit about why that's not the right way to approach it and why it's okay every now and then to slip up. Absolutely. First of all, you know, I have a lot of education in nutrition. There is no one perfect way to eat. There's not one sample day, even though I have a four week slim down plan in the book, there's not one day that anyone can have that's a perfect day. You have to create the perfect day for you, which is why the most important term in the whole title of the book is you. You can drop it. I will walk you through how it's going to work for you and your lifestyle. You might not be like Lisa and be able to stop eating at four. You may be someone who likes to have dinner at seven and wake up later and have a different routine. So you have to make it work for you. Lisa's just excited because it works for her and she found that out. And so there's so much joy in that. And there's such great confidence in that. If you have the all or nothing thinking where you feel like you slip up once and it's over, I'm just letting you know now, I I mean, this is about to sound pretty harsh, so I'm just going to lay it out there. I think everyone knows that doesn't exist. I think everyone knows that in school and career, you don't have one bad quarter and then just shut down a whole business, right? So everyone knows that. I think people say they're all or nothing as an excuse to just do nothing. (laughs) Um, And listen, I've done it too. Like I think we're all guilty of it, but I think everyone knows for real that eating one plate of cookies is not going to make them gain 10 pounds. Uh, I think it's just easy to say, oh, I blew it. So now I can continue to proceed into ways that would make me gain 10 pounds. And then it's easy to blame whatever happened on that first day that initiated the fire, which probably has nothing to do with you and everything to do with your spouse, your job or anything else. So I'd say, stop saying all or nothing. Stop saying one slip up leads to next Monday because you're really at this point, it's only cheating yourself to just not focus on getting it back together. I overeat all the time. I was on a Zoom call yesterday with family Everyone was bickering. I couldn't take it. I found myself eating like challah bread and butter for the first time in a very long time. It's fine. I tracked it. I moved on with my day. I had a what I call my plate at dinner, how I style my plate for dinner, which is really easy to do using Hungry Girl recipes. And I only gained 0.2 pounds in a day. Like it's not, it's not the end of the world. Any eating episode you have in a single day could still lead to a weight loss in the overall week and the overall month. So enough with like the short-term fix and thinking, um, because we've all seen at this point, it doesn't work. It's funny how family can make you eat bread and butter. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, you talk a lot about self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for like people that are at home thinking, wow, I think that's me, but I'm not sure. What does it mean? And how do you help people overcome that? Yeah. I have a whole chapter in the book that's uh, called Stop the Self-Sabotage, chapter nine. You know, stop making excuses. Like excuses are not your friends, so stop making them. And it's funny how many people are taking screenshots and like jumping right to that chapter, which I don't recommend because... I take you on a journey in the book and you're not really ready for chapter nine until you've read one through eight. And I've gotten you to the point where the first line of the chapter is, okay, you're done treating your body like a trash can. And I'm like, I'm pretty blunt in this book, which is why I think people are loving it so much, but you have to get to that point where you are done with that. And self-sabotage is, it's essentially what happens when people just throw their hands up and they say, I don't care right? Because ultimately you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now. You wouldn't be interested in healthier alternatives for recipes if you didn't care a little bit about your body and your health. And you should care about your body and your health. I think we've gone into this wave where people 
are saying, oh, you shouldn't over-obsess about your body and your health. You should never over-obsess your body or health. But the alternative of not caring about it is just as dangerous, if potentially more dangerous, because two out of three Americans are either overweight or obese. And it's putting us at a much higher risk for chronic diseases that a lot are highly preventable with just losing weight and caring about your body more. So care about your body. In the book, I really make you own the fact that you do care about your body and turn it into something that you're celebrated, that you celebrate and you're proud of. So the self-sabotage occurs when you temporarily lapse in your judgment. And a lot of it starts with, well, I don't care. Like I should just be able to keep eating this because I'm not going to start again until Monday. Or I have to keep eating this because summer's almost over and it's only a limited time to get the certain flavor of ice cream. And all these things we tell ourselves. So the self-sabotage, you know, I, you know, I have a whole chapter on it and like the whole book essentially is bringing you into a place where you get out of your own way and you just keep losing the weight you need to. But one line I'll share that I think will really help people is know yourself, stop testing yourself. You have to know yourself and you need to stop testing yourself. So a lot of people say, I don't know what to do. I just keep eating chocolate chips by the handful standing in my pantry. And it's like, well, why do you have the chocolate chips still in your pantry? And then this is every mom always says, quote unquote, well, it's for my kids. The bottom line is you're the one buying it. You're the one bringing in the house. You're the one who's putting it right there on that shelf where you know you're going to be the one with the fists in the hand. So if you gave your kids a lollipop instead, they'd be just as happy. And if the lollipop doesn't trigger you the same way the chocolate chips do, then stop buying them momentarily while you gain the control. Eventually you will have it, but just know yourself and stop testing yourself. And that's really ultimately what a lot of the book um, and that chapter entails, because honestly, that's the only way I kept breaking through plateaus is when I was like, okay, enough of this. I gotta, I gotta change and, and set myself up for success and not keep getting in my way. It's great advice. Now, is there like, uh, is there one client or one story that really stands out that you think might help inspire that you'd like to share? Like one success story that you think above all really stands out? You know, it, it's, it's wonderful. One of the proudest things I, I have for the book is like, yes, it's like everything I wanted it to be and more and it's tons of recipes and meal plan and all that good stuff. And you're forward, of course. But what honestly, one of my proudest aspects of the books is that it's actually lined in testimonials, like full color before and afters and amazing stories. And it's actually each testimonial is kind of matched with the chapter and the principle and the suggestion I'm giving. And the testimonial really matches of like, I really doubted Alana on this, or I was really hesitant to take on tracking, or I was hesitant to take on veggies or this that she recommends or not and overcoming that really helped me. So I definitely think it's a personalized thing. I think everyone's going to resonate with the different testimonials in the book. I will say when I was recording the audiobook, I was laughing. I didn't realize how much cursing was in the book. Like, I mean, don't worry if you don't like cursing. It's probably just three or four curse words in the book. But there's one testimonial early on who was basically like, I needed Alana to, you know, give me a little bitch slap and like wake me up. Uh, and I think that one will resonate with a lot of people because I always say change really comes when you kind of are at that point, like I was, where you're just fed up. And so I think she kind of kicks off one of the earlier testimonials. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people who are at home, who have been doing the quarantine, gaining weight thing, who have been trying the all or nothing thing and are really just at the point where enough I got to figure out my own system. I have to figure out what's going to work for me. 
So you, like everyone else who has successfully lost weight, it doesn't just magically end. You live this every day, day in and day out. I think we're all in the same boat. What are some of your personal secret weapon foods as a volume eater, like I am a volume eater, we have to have some stuff in our arsenal that gets us through life. What are yours? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I talk about veggies, like they're my children, like with so much adoration and love. And I definitely go in phases. Like, so in the book, I wanted to keep it really simple for people. So I did five veggies, five ways. So the five veggies I chose are ones that are so near and dear to my heart because they're so good for weight loss. They're inexpensive and they last the longest. I mean, obviously cauliflower, like who can argue cauliflower these days? I mean, I think that's like a universal love. Everyone has mac and cheese did nacho it, pizza it, and sees how great it is, especially if you've been such a white bread pasta type of person, the color takes away a lot of intimidation. So cauliflower, we love cauliflower rice all day, every day, all day. I mean, your recipes are to die for. I'm just like anything, anything, cauliflower, cheese, we're, we're good together. And then, um, the other ones within the book, eggplant. I think eggplant is one of the most underrated veggies. I know you've made great like stacks with veggies. Uh, I have every single one of your cookbooks literally lining on my shelf. Uh, Eggplant is such a great weight loss weapon because there's something very starchy about the center of an eggplant. Before it gets gooey, it kind of holds like a nice starchiness to it. And I mean, I've, I eat a whole eggplant at a time, no problem. Like I'll air fry a whole eggplant um, and eat it as a snack. So I really like a lot of food. So uh, eggplant is always great. I always see weight loss from eggplant and I see it's just super versatile. And um, cabbage, I mean, I, I, I would like marry ca- cabbage has always been one of my favorite people hear cabbage, they hear bleh. But the second you start roasting a cabbage low and slow, making cabbage steaks, making you know, like sautés and stir fries, it really becomes, I think you even use the term like noodly to explain shredded cabbage in a stir fry. It, I mean, totally has changed my life, especially when you combine it with those wonderful, like umami savory flavors, the soy sauce and rice vinegar and sesame oil. I mean, I could eat that all day. So uh, those are, those are tops for me. Yeah. You love it. You hit it out of the park with eggplant. Like I think eggplant is so underrated. It's, I think people don't know how to cook it. So (laughs) you've got great recipes. I know I've got great recipes. People just need to not abuse the eggplant. They need to embrace it. Oh yeah. Tell me like, what else would you like to add? I know we've talked a ton about your book. Is there anything else you want to add about the program, about anything that you think people should check out? I just really, really, really want people to kind of, I mean, we've already been in this adapted lifestyle, we'll call it for at least two months. It's crazy to think like going back at pictures, like if we've really been in this for a while and you know, you already see, you see in the, in business leaders, you see in political leaders, you see who's thriving and who's really struggling in this time. And a lot of it comes down to the language. You see the more people who are using terms like coronavirus, COVID-19, the president, politics, quarantine, those words, it really just puts you in the state of focusing on what you can't control. And you see the people who are talking about this as time for opportunity, experience, adaptability, flexibility, discovery are really thriving and flourishing. And I really, truly, sincerely hope 
that everyone knows it's not too late. So if you've been in the first set of stage, that it's never too late to get into the second wave of embracing the stay-at-home lifestyle to be one that works with you. Your home could either be set up as a place that's causing weight gain, that's causing arguments, that's causing fighting, or it's causing you to not feel great or ever want to go back into your jeans, or you can set up your home life to feel like a wellness spa by putting you know, water the first place you see it in the fridge, by buying inexpensive, really, really cheap, versatile, long-lasting veggies like cabbage, like cauliflower, like eggplant, and, and taking then more time now that you have to make the Hungry Girl recipes, to make the recipes in the book, to read the book, to highlight it, to incorporate this into your life. You know, we all, you cannot deny that we all have more time on our hands. There's so much just traveling to errands, traveling to your workplace, traveling to pickups from kids. There's so much safe time. Everyone has at least 30 minutes more time. And your recipes are so simple as it is. You know, the ingredients within your list of recipes within the book, it's not long, it's not complicated. So if you've always used that as an excuse, now there's really no time to do that. And what I would really, I would like to give everyone a sense of urgency because I think you need a sense of urgency to actually get something done. And I think it's important, you know, everyone's talking about a new wave coming in the fall and winter. And hopefully, oh my gosh, I pray to God, we do not have a new wave. And I hope we're only on the upside of this. But the bottom line is we see early data that people who are overweight or obese are at a higher risk um, of having lots of issues from coronavirus. I don't have to go into it. And so now's your time to take ownership of that. Lose five to 15 pounds a month every month until the fall. I mean, you can lose 30, 40 pounds before any holiday season, second wave that could happen. You can do it. Alana, you're, you're so inspirational. Congratulations. This book is incredible. You're amazing. Success. And thank you for being here and come back soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. I love, love, love the Hungry Girl community. I'm a part of it. I'm in the Facebook group. I love you all. Keep posting, keep sharing your best tips, tricks, strategies, and your fun twists on the Hungry Girl recipes. I am definitely a user myself. <laughs> Alana is amazing. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I really think you should try to check out her book, which is available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. We will link you to it on our show page, which is hungry-girl.com foodcast. So you can check it out there. And while you're on our site, you should sign up for Hungry Girl Daily emails in case you don't get them. So you need to do that. Well, that is all I have for you, uh, other than to let you know that next week there will be no new podcast. We are taking a week off. Have a great and safe Memorial Day. I'm Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Till next time, chew the right thing.